So my name is Lori Valenzisi. They call me Lori V. I hail from the Youngstown area. This is my sign, if you, Lori V, LV. Kids wave at me that way. Um, I, uh, I lived in that area almost all of my life. I was born in Pittsburgh, but all of my ministry time has been done in the Youngstown area, and I love it. There's nothing better than being called to a space and know that that's where you're going to live life out with the people that you, that, you're, that you love. So I've been in kids' ministry all that time. I've done youth ministry and adult ministry and filled pulpits and done all the hospital visits and held little kids while they throw up at camp and all that stuff. So give me a, give me a quick, uh, how many of you are, that you work with adults at your church? All right. How many of you, hi, prayers. How many of you work with teenagers? All right. How many of you work with kids? How many of you work with a group of people I didn't mention yet? <laughs> then you weren't listening. All right. So, so it is, it sucks the life out of you sometimes when you pour yourself out and today I want to talk about a few, a few myths or a few uh, things that we need to be aware of when we're in ministry. How many of you have been in ministry for five years, that you've served in your church for five years? You don't have to have a staff position. You've volunteered or you, for five years. Ten years? Fifteen? Twenty? Twenty? Silver years? I don't care. No, it doesn't matter. You keep on going, keep on going. All right, all right. So... And then, and then the rest of us get gold stars across our forehead as we go, come on in, come on in. It's, um, there are a lot of seasons when you're serving in a church. And uh, sometimes those seasons can feel overburdened with your family and stuff that goes on with your family. Come on in, because that's for girls. That's for girls. This is... <laughs> <laughs> This is the keep and filled group. You could lay on the floor, whatever you want to do. All right. Do whatever you like. You could be in charge. You could read my notes. It'll be fun. Okay. <laughs> Different seasons. You could be overwhelmed with family. You could be overwhelmed with stuff that's going on at church. How many of you are doing Easter egg hunts and fundraising and getting ready for camp? Oh, yeah. Uh, you could have sickness in your family. My dad was in the hospital out of town for a week leading up to this. You never know what's going to happen. There could be relationship turmoil going on. Uh, you could be living in a hostile environment. You could be misunderstood. You could be ignored. You could be abused. You could be challenged. You could be in a season of amazing harvest. You could be energized by the team you work with. You could be socially engaged with groups of people at your church, and that vibes you up. Uh, You could be an introvert that's having to live in an extrovert world. (laughs) Have I missed anything that you haven't connected to? I've been in all of these at some time in my life, and some of them multiples at the same time. And so I just, uh, I just want to do a little exercise here. This is going to be super fun, and it'll take 45 seconds if you listen to me. Here are the instructions, and then I'm going to have you move. I'd like you to pull one object out, of, other than your phone, okay? One object that you might have with you. It might be your wallet. It might be a credit card. I don't know. Just pull out one object with you. It could be a scarf. It could be your notes. I don't care. Pull something out, all right? And then I want you to stand up. And we'll do three groups of, I don't know, seven, let's say. Go ahead. You can leave your purse there. Nobody's going to go through it. But pick something out. 
All right? And get in a circle with seven people. <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> Here you go. Make sure the cap's on good. All right, you got a group? All right, who doesn't have a group? This group back here? All right, there you go. Here's what I would like you to do. Somebody whose name starts closest to the letter L, okay, who's that in your group? Is going to be the leader. All right, there you go. You can look at your name tags. They're going to start, and they're going to, everybody gets a number. One, two, three, four. Start with the person that's closest to L. Go to your left. Everybody count off. One, two, three, four. <laughs> All right. Number one is going to take their item and start to pass it. You say a number and you pass it to them. You're going to start a rhythm. Start passing that first object around. Toss it to them. Keep it going. Keep on passing it. You don't have to pass it back to the same person. All right? Go ahead and start. Here we go. Just keep on going. Just keep on tossing it. Just the one for right now. Keep on going. Keep on going. All right. Keep on going. <laughs> All right. You think you got it? All right. I think you do. I think you've got it. Here we go. Just start tossing it, and I'll tell you when to start the next object. Keep it going. Go. <laughs> Keep it going. Add object two. Go. Number two, add your object in. Number two, keep going with number one's object. Keep on number two. Keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. All right, add object three. Keep on going. Number four. Number five. Number six. <laughs> keep going, keep going. <laughs> Number seven, if you got a seven. <laughs> All right, freeze. Everybody freeze. <laughs> Everybody look at me. How did that make you feel? <laughs> Sunday at church. What did you say? Confused and crazy. That is it. Give yourselves a pat on the back and go head back to your seat. There's a whole reason behind this. Oh man. Thank you. <laughs> We all have a lot of stuff in the air. If you teach one Sunday school class a month, or if you're running whole ministries, or if you're leading your whole church, we all have a ton of stuff up in the air. And we've got to figure out how to stay filled through that process. And so I want to talk about how that works. So I guess I'm on slide number two. <laughs> Keeping yourself filled. Here we go. 
I want to talk about the idea of keeping filled. There's a few things we need to cover in our time, and so I've done some lists on your, on your pages. Please try not to read ahead on the slides so you can stay with me for these moments. Um, these are some patterns that we may find in our lives. And when we feel filled, everybody say filled. filled. When we feel filled, we find that rhythm in our life, and it feels good. You know that rhythm where you're in a marching band and you hear that cadence and you just want to walk right along with it. I used to be a music teacher, so I dig that. It makes a difference, but when we don't feel, feel filled, we let our emotions and our self-talk become a syringe and it sucks out our strength and our hope. And we need to stay connected to Jesus. We need to stay connected to our families, our teams, and the people that we are called to live life with. Being disconnected is a real reality. Um, on Sokoko.com, I, I looked up what it, what it means to, uh, to feel disconnected. And at UCLA, they did some experiments. It was called Naomi's Experiments. And it, they were trying to look at some of the brain regions and how they respond to physical pain and emotional pain. Uh, like the painful feelings associated with so- social rejection or loss. And uh, they found that when you take some Tylenol for physical pain, your brain reacts the same way when you're having that social pain. So you could take a Tylenol and it makes it all go away. <laughs> but, but the way that we were created, it shows up the same way. But we tend to stuff our emotions and we deal with the physical side of it, but we don't deal with this side of it and we've got to deal with it. Um, Feeling connected is intrinsically rewarding to the brain. We feel like we're part of something. That's why when you're in junior high and your boyfriend breaks up with you, man, the whole world is coming to an end, or your girlfriend, whichever way that goes. And, and uh, because, uh, because human maturation takes so long compared to other species, social pain becomes a way to encourage us to stay socially attached to promote survival. And if separation from a caregiver is a threat to survival, we feel hurt by that separation, and we try to adapt to that. So so here's the basic. When we feel like we're denied, then we set up this boundary for ourselves, that we protect ourselves from ever going there again. You can't do that. That's not what the Bible tells us to do. So here are some questions I want us to look at very quickly. I'm just going to pop right through these. In your own life, now, you can, you can set up your columns in my family life, in my ministry life, in my work life, whatever you want to do. Who sets your standard for life? Next one says, what is your season of life? Because we're all in different seasons. What do you love? Jot something down there real quick. What do you love besides Jesus and your family? I hope you love your family. <laughs> What do you love? Go ahead and think about that. The next one says, can somebody else do your job? Now, I want to stop there for a second. Yeah, anybody can do what we do. But God called you to do something specific. And when God calls you and me to do something specific, nobody else is supposed to do that but us. 
right. Are you making excuses? <laughs> I lived there for a whole season. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, sometimes conflict or engaging in that difficult conversation, it can just be brushed under the table because of the excuses we make. And that syringe sucks it out of us. Uh, have you set appropriate boundaries for yourself? Like, I see parents that set date nights up with their kids. I have a date night with my husband. You know, you gotta, you got to have those healthy boundaries that you go, this is my time, and don't talk to me. Don't, don't anybody, I'm not going to answer your phone calls, so don't get mad at me, okay? For 45 minutes a week, you can live without me. <laughs> Boy, that was passionate. Uh, sometimes I set a timer for myself when I'm with people because they can't live within the boundary. And I let them know ahead of time, my alert's going off, it's time for me to go. It's not me being insensitive, it's me setting boundaries. Uh, don't overextend your commitments either. All right. Next one said, are your priorities in order? Do you know how the order is supposed to go with people in your life? God. Jesus and God. Spouse. Spouse. Family. Church. Church. Yikes. It all sometimes, and there are seasons that it gets it gets confused, and and that's a season. Just make sure that you're setting your boundary. It's supposed to go God, family, job. Yeah, God has called you to be the best you you could be. Everybody say, it. God has called me, has called me. To, be to be the best me I can be. God has called me to be the best me. I can be. That's our point today. All right? So when I say, what's the point? That's my, that's my uh, question to you. So let's look at some identifiers that would specifically be towards burnout and depression. We're going to breeze through these. Circle something if it connects for you. I've got to make this bigger because I can't read it. <laughs> I thought I'd have it up there. All right. So Aaron Loy, he says, um, in depression... You need to say to yourself, did I skip one? Nope. You need to say to yourself, I'm not alone. You've got to remember that your faith isn't broken. Some people say that if you're depressed, you have a spirit on you. I'm going to tell you that that's a lie because you've got to work through it. It's an emotional issue. Now, if you're walking around with the spirit of poverty on you, that's a whole other mindset. But depression is something medical that you got to deal with. Don't be ashamed to go to talk to a counselor. Don't be ashamed to talk to your friend and say, I can't get out of this funk. There's nothing wrong with it. You just need to work through it. Uh, The third bullet point there says, God is for you, and he offers to walk with you. He never leaves us in it. He wants you to be healthy. Okay? And then depression is not just a spiritual issue. There is a medical thing. There's a chemical thing that goes off in us. Are you here for for being filled, or are you here for girls' ministry? Come on in. (laughs) All right. Um, that's what he says there about depression. I'm not a uh, psychologist or a psychiatrist. I just want you to know that. When people say that, 
don't get stuck in rut. It doesn't mean that you're mentally ill. That's another thing. Don't wear that banner. It's a season. Um, Kerry Newhoff, he says, here are some burnout indicators. Your motivation may have faded. Your main emotion is numbness. You no longer feel highs and lows. People drain you. You suck the life out of you. <laughs> uh, the little things make you disproportionately angry. <laughs> you can't blame PMS on everything, okay? <laughs> Men, you can't say that about a woman either. All right. You've become cynical. That's that sarcastic. Sarcasm is not a gift of the spirit. <laughs> All right? It's not. And sarcasm doesn't show the love of Jesus. Sorry. (laughs) Got to say it. Uh, Your productivity is dropping. You're self-medicating. I don't know if eight Advil a day counts as self-medicating. I'm not sure what that is. What do you think? Eh, Okay. Uh, You don't laugh anymore. Sleep and time don't refuel you. So those are some, some of the burnout indicators. Uh, Perry Noble has another list. (laughs) And let me just say, if you're circling one of them, or two of them, but when you start circling four and five of them, you've got to look at it, okay? Uh, You begin to despise people you're called to love and minister to. Now, this is on a regular, it's not just one day. (laughs) We would run out of the church parking lot as fast as we could when we heard some people calling our name because we needed to survive. That is just, okay. Uh, Your mind drifts toward what else you can do other than ministry. Let me just say this to you. I remember the day that God told me I was supposed to be in ministry. And I was doing something else. I was a music teacher. And God specifically told me, he said, Lori, I gave you a chance to do what you love. Now wait until you fall in love with what I want you to do. In those days that I think, is there anything else I could do? The Holy Spirit plays that back in my brain, and I go, there's nothing else I can do. You have those moments. Remember them. They keep you. I'm pointing my finger a lot at you. Uh, you feel like mi- the, a ministry machine. <laughs> Guilt and obligation. Uh, this is what drives you other than the outflow of the Spirit. Bill Hybels says this, the rate at which you're doing the work of God is destroying the work of God in you. God cares about you. He, also, he cares about the ministry, but he cares about you first. Uh, you become increasingly critical of churches, people, and ministries that you feel like God is blessing more than you. Uh, it continues in the next slide. You can't remember being consumed by God during quiet time. You've got to have your own time in the morning, at the evening, get you through. Uh, your staff or your team are viewed as your servants rather than their God's servants. Uh, you use delegation as an excuse to be lazy. You can't remember the last time your conversation with your spouse wasn't about church. Now, if you're married together, okay, all right, you're married and you're co-pastoring your church, yeah, yeah, but you got to have moments that you carve out and you say, no, 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 no. <laughs> when was the last time you spent time with your kids and you enjoyed it? Hmm. Uh, you begin to doubt the power of God in your life and others. That's Perry Noble. Uh, this statement speaks loudly to me in the next slide. We don't get healthy just by praying about it. 
we've got to take action. We don't get filled just by praying about it. We've got to take action. Yeah, we get filled during our prayer times, but if all you're doing is talking about it, and you're not giving the Holy Spirit a chance to fill you, you're blowing it. <laughs> you're blowing it. Uh, the, next, the next one was Rick Warren, Four Mistakes That Lead to Burnout. I like these ones. They're pretty succinct and to the point. We focus on our feelings instead of facts. Uh-huh. We compare ourselves to others. You're not like anybody else in the whole wide world. Stop comparing yourself to anybody else. We blame ourselves for things that aren't our fault. You walk around all day going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Stop it. (laughs) We exaggerate the negative. That's an easy one for me to do. (laughs) It is. And then he says, here, Rick Warren says, here are some things you can do, uh, solutions, um, to honor the biblical Sabbath. So right now, I work seven days a week. What did I say? I'm try. What was my? I, I'm. I have. I have. Quad, I'm quad vocational. <laughs> That's my season right now. A bunch of part-time jobs. I'm coming out of a season, and so yeah, I'm working every day right now. I know that there's an end coming to it. And so I have to make my Sabbath, I have to actually schedule it in. It might be four or five hours right now. That's the season I'm in. I make sure that I take that four or five hours a week. That that's all I do is rest, not sleeping. <laughs> I'm spending that time, quality time. I don't advise that to anybody. <laughs> don't do it. Um, you got to spend time enjoying the Lord on a daily basis. Get on a devotional track. I, I, do, I do the She Reads Truth movement. I'm part of that. SheReadsTruth.com. It's, uh, they're taking us through the Bible, and it's great devotionals. Uh, I'm also right now, I'm reading The 40 Days of Decrease during Lent. It's been a phenomenal book. Get it anyways if you're not in Lent. It's about fasting, different stupid things we do. It's a great book. Uh, Alicia Britt Nicole, I think is her name. Um, you got to make sure that you spend time. Read your Daily Bread. Do your John Maxwell book. Whatever it is. But do it and then sit. Don't read it on the toilet and then run off for your day. That doesn't count. <laughs> uh, prioritize the things that are life-giving to you. Make sure that the things that fill you like spending time with your kids, seeing them smile and tickling them, or enjoy yelling at them to clean up their messes, or whatever, grandbabies, or whatever it is. Recapture your original calling and vision. Mm, there's nothing better than that. I, am at a, I have a blank slate before me right now. I'm really excited about it. Stay accountable to others in your leadership community. If you're not getting together with the people who you serve with at your church... You're missing out. Living life with them, letting them know your highs and your lows and being real. When I started in ministry, they said pastors weren't allowed to be friends with the people in their church. You had to have a private life. And that's not the case. you got to have people that you live life with that feed you. Um, it's totally necessary. Now, here's another question. How many of you don't get to hear the Sunday morning services? You don't get to participate in them. All right, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you listen? Don't raise your hand. How many of you listen to the messages after Sunday? 
because saying that you don't like how your pastor preaches or his style is not honoring his authority. And when you disconnect from the pastor's messages to the rest of the church, you're not filled. You're called to be part of the church body. You've got to make sure you engage somehow. Your ministry is no more important than any of that other stuff. This is not... (laughs) We're not smiling. All right, here comes time for our point. God has called me. God has called me to be the best me I can be. Now, Forbes did a, did a uh, little test about being disconnected from your team. Two-thirds of all businesses that were interviewed, all the people that they interviewed, two-thirds of them felt disconnected from their team. Do you know what it feels like to be disconnected from people? Give me, give me some qualifying words. Alone. Alone. Frustrated. Frustrated. Left out. Left out. Misunderstood. Misunderstood. Solitary. What? Blindsided, yeah. Anybody uh, overworked? Disorganized. <laughs> Disorganized. Wow, we. Oh my goodness. <sighs> Remember that managers are responsible for their team members' connections. But if your manager isn't doing it, don't blame them. You still gotta get together in the hallway and talk to the people that you're living life with. You're not in this by yourself. Um. How many of you can say you know what is expected of you in your role? You got your bullet points, you know what's, okay, good, good. How many of you feel like you have the materials you need to do your work right? Uh, Do you have the opportunity to do what you do like the best every time you go to do it? These are some of the bullet points here. Does your supervisor seem to care for you as a person? Uh, is there somebody at work who encourages your development? Does your opinion seem to count? Team leaders, this is a good list to ask your team members about. Uh, The next slide continues it. Um, A person who feels appreciated will always do more than is expected. The mission or purpose of my company makes me feel my job is important. My associates are committed to doing quality work. Let me just stop there for a second. Don't let your attitude of feeling disconnected or burned out, don't blame the people around you because they're not doing their, well, you just need to do your job. Okay? Do you have a best friend at work? (laughs) At the church, you know. Okay? (laughs) In the past six months, someone at work has talked about my progress. Talk to me about my progress. Do you, have, do you have times that you meet with the people that you, that you serve with to give evaluations of how things are going? We call these God sightings, where you see God at work around you. Some people say tell the story. You want to share the victories and talk about what's happening because when you're trapped in that little space in the basement that's like a, uh, like a bomb shelter and you can't see anything else that's going on and nobody else can see what's going on in there because that's where my space is. It's in a bomb shelter right now. It's awesome. And uh, you, you're disconnected. You've got to share the stories. Tell your God sightings. Um, the last bullet point. This year I have had opportunity to learn and grow. Here you are. <laughs> Learning and growing. All right. 
Here, the next, the next square uh, says these are some common traits of disconnecting. I know this is all very negative, and we're going to get to some positive really quickly. <laughs> Can you read those words? Are they too tiny for you to read? If they're too small, go get some bifocals or a magnifying glass, and you could read those back in. I have to get new bifocals. Don't make that face at me. All right. Um, if, if I find myself in these patterns, I have to take a deep breath and say, Lori V, dude, <laughs> come on. Criticizing, interrupting, nagging, threatening. Oh, boy. Don't, don't let threatening come about. If you don't clean up this mess, you'll never go out of this house again. I heard that a lot in my life. She wanted me out of the house. <laughs> All right. Being resentful. Look what they got. Or remember what it used to be like? Uh, Name-calling, lying, avoiding, ignoring, shaming, controlling. Some people look for problems. That's a sign of disconnection. When people are acting like this to you, it means that they're feeling disconnected. Sometimes we call them needing, like needy people, but maybe they just need to figure out how to connect. Maybe they don't want to connect. You can't make them. All right. Everybody say, it. God has called me, has called me. To, be to be the best I can be. So Tom Rainer said, ministry is what we give. In this being filled part, we got to make sure that we're not doing all the doing all the stuff. And here are some points that he says help us stay in balance. We need to inform the people that we work with how to serve. The first time I rode on the inner city kids ministry bus driving into the projects, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And when the kids were flailing their arms all over the place and trying to climb out of the windows as we're driving out of the project, screaming at the top of their lungs, I just sat and looked at them all because I didn't know what to do. (laughs) I know what to do now. Because the list was given to me. If we don't know what to do, you don't have any expectations, and then I'm, as a leader, get mad at you because you didn't do what I wanted you to do, but I didn't give you any expectations. Circle. Uh, here's another one. Raise the bar of expectations. I used to feel I was the paid person on staff, and so I needed to take the bulk of the job. That's not what the Bible says. I, as the pastor, smacking my microphone, I, as the pastor and to disciple you, to teach you how to serve. You as the Sunday school teacher are to train your class in what it means to serve Jesus in their own life and in the church. Mentor members, there's nothing better than getting together with people and helping them grow. I had a girl one time come to me, she said, Pastor Lori, I don't... I don't have enough time to prepare my kids' church lesson. I said, well, then let's sit down, Annette, and let's talk about it. And so I said, let's talk about your day. And we started going through her day and how she spends her day. And I started making out a schedule for her, and she got real offended. I said, what did I do? She goes, you're telling me what to do. I said, you told me you didn't have enough time, and so I'm trying to show you how to do it. She didn't want to be told how to do it. You've got to find that fine line but mentoring people that want to know how to be the best they can be, um, training them. As a, as a children's leader, i got to have time with my children's team several times through the year to make sure that we're all reconnecting with what's going on. 
Um, and encourage people to be in small groups. I always look for the small group that I'm not going to have to do anything in, <laughs> that I'm the least qualified. I'll never go to the men's group. That's a given. I'm a girl. But when we started small groups in my previous church, I went to an art group. I knew that I'd never be in charge. But I had the best time. That's it. Strategic small group. God has called you to be the best you you can be. Now, I've talked about all these things that suck the life out of you. Take a deep breath. (laughs) Focus. I like this equation. Intimacy equals into plus me plus C. Have you ever heard that one before? This refers to having intimacy with God. Let him see into me. This has to do with my spouse. I need to let him see what's really going on with Lori V. All this is going to rhyme with Lori V. It's going to be fun. (laughs) I need to make sure that my family, that I have intimacy with my family, let them see into me. And I need to let my church see what's going on in me. And Sunday morning, and I'm new to my church right now. I'm still getting to know people. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a little nervous about letting them see the real me. Like all of me. What you see is what you get. But, <laughs> but my, dad, my dad was in the hospital this past week. He had two heart surgeries in a week. And on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, I'm, I left the hospital to go do my ministry because that's what he would want me to do, and he was okay. I get a text message at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning that says, Dad crashed. So I'm compartmentalizing because that's what we do. Shove it here, shove it there. And one of the deacons came back to me and said, Hey, Lori V, what's going on? Are you okay? And I showed him my phone, and he said, You stay right there. And he ran and he grabbed eight other people and they came around me and they prayed with me. And, you know, it was an hour and a half away. There wasn't anything I could do anyways. I'm not a doctor. But that moment changed my, my and my husband's relationship with all of them. You have to do it. You can't stay disconnected from the people you live life with in your church. Um, Don't fake it around your church family or your physical family. Being disconnected doesn't mean that you're unavailable. When you feel disconnected, you still need to make yourself available. That's part of the healing process. Um, Problems arise, and we need to deal with them. And this intimacy is a powerful tool that God wants you to engage with him and others to stay filled. Yeah, they suck it all out of us. But then God puts it back into us. God has called you to be the best you you can be. So, learn how to share. Don't just put your head down. I'm excellent at walking, looking at my feet. Meditate and breathe gently. Focus in on Jesus. In your nose, out your mouth. That's how it works. If you're, if you're doing that, you're not doing it right. Show, don't tell your attention. Don't tell others about what 
you need to show to others. Because that just turns into a big cycle of gossip and you don't want to have to fix that. Show your attention to people. Don't tell them you want to pay attention to them. Nourish your peers with recognition and gratitude. When, you're, when you bless people with your words, that honors God as well as honoring those people. And that comes back to you. Take time to do small things together. Hang out with those people that you're going to minister with for, for 30 seconds before you go out and have a team huddle and pray and say, yay, God, before you go and do what you got to do. If they didn't get all the crayons out on their table, it'll be all right. Here's some reasons you might feel disconnected. Are you serving in an area regularly? I do Kids Church every Sunday. I miss out on the message. You serve every Wednesday night and your girls or youth or your boys or whatever it is and you never get to sit in a Bible study or a small group. Are you spending time with some people outside of your church? I ask you that question because if you're not, you're probably feeling disconnected. Because there's something socially that we need outside of church. You go, I don't have any nights to do it. Make time. Go out after church to Chipotle, whether you like it or not. (laughs) Just go there. Um, Are you attending church more than two times per month? I used to have a rule that said you had to be on the books three times a month if you were going to be on the kids' ministry team. Because if you served one Sunday a month, that meant you went to church twice a month. I get it. It's hard. But make it a priority. Um, Here's some other things about being connected. Changing your behavior. Being honest about facts versus feelings. So it's easy to let our emotions get to the forefront. So on Wednesday night, I was at my wit's end. I'm tired. My dad has had two surgeries. I'm driving my mom in the bus shuttle back and forth. Uh, we got to pay these outrageous amounts of money for the same food every night at the hotel restaurant. I had just had it. So our bus driver, who was taking us from the Cleveland Clinic back to our, back to our hotel, says, um, we're going to take a little tour, uh, detour because we're going to drop some people off over on another side of University Circle. So I'm showing my mom, there's the Museum for Art and Natural History, and I'm showing her all the places because she doesn't know anything about Cleveland. And we get to the restaurant, and 15 people get off, and two people get on. And this couple comes in, and they start yelling at the bus driver. And we've been standing here waiting, and the instruction said you were supposed to pick us up. And then the guy starts swearing. And I had had it. I can deal with yelling. I'm a yeller. I can deal with it. I don't have a problem with conflict. But I had had it. And I turned to the guy and I said, I'm not going to have you talking like that on this bus. And he stopped. And later on I told my dad, he's like, they'll shoot you if you do that kind of stuff today. (laughs) I had had it. I was being honest about my feelings. I dealt with it and it stopped. We don't like to act like that. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to stop what's going on. They will shoot you. (laughs) All right. No, they won't. (sighs) I'm from Youngstown. I don't care. (laughs) Make sure that your devotions are in order. Fill yourself. Okay, so 
in Sunday school curriculum, there's always a leader's page. And you can read that when you get home from church on Sunday for the next week, and it gets you ready for what God's going to do in your class the next week. All right? Let that be part of your devotion. But don't let preparing for your class at the red lights on the way be your devotion. (laughs) Fellowship, make sure that you got good friends, that you can really, that are building you up closer to Jesus. Make sure that your relationships are, uh, are positive. Make sure that you're encouraging others as well as taking in the encouragement. Because when we feel down and disconnected and empty, we can be in a place that we don't, oh, yeah, oh, thanks for saying, yeah, it really wasn't that good. It, take it. Receive it. And remove those distractions that are, that are sucking the life out of you. Shut your TV off. If your kids are driving you crazy, go into another room. <laughs> Take that moment and just be, do what you got to do, get yourself straight out. Now, team leaders, don't just assign tasks to your team and walk away from them. That doesn't encourage relationship. Keep communication regular and encouraging. I'm going to keep on using that word because it feeds life. Um, do a small, quick, regular online update. It's better than like a big, giant, long six-hour meeting that nobody wants to be at. Do you have a Facebook account for your, for your group that you work with with your leaders? Do something encouraging. Just put up a scripture every couple days. If you have like three hours that you can spend getting that prepped, you know what? You could set timers that it gets released. You don't have to sit down and do it all in one shot. Look on YouTube. You'll find a course. But do something to be, don't do marathon sessions. Um, Be present. Don't hide in your office, okay? Be present. Uh, Assign tasks with relationship. I trust you, Monica. I know that this is going to be great. I'm so glad you're part of my team. That kind of thing. She's not on my team. I saw her name tag. (laughs) Uh, Have achieved outcomes in your meeting. All right, this is a pet peeve of mine. Tommy, you're the best. He brought a fan. All right. When you have a meeting and you don't know what you accomplished, waste of time. At the end of your meeting, last 45 seconds, somebody tell me what we accomplished. Boom, 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 boom. Who's responsible for what? Da, 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 da. There you go. Make sure that you have something happening there. Have clear goals for your entire team so everybody knows what's supposed to be going on. Reward your team. Hey, you know what? Dunkin' cards go a long way. Handles ice cream cone coins, all right? Uh, Don't be all work and no play. Have fun with them. Talk to people about something other than their class, okay? Uh, Don't be blind to your team. You can demotivate them if you're pretending like what's wrong isn't really wrong or what's right isn't right. It's okay for them to be right, and you're wrong, and you, and you fix it. Um, consider the individuals that you're working with. All right. So here's the, here's the real God moment for us. I can't read that. It is tiny. I'm going to tell you what the scripture is, and you can look it up on your phone or when you go home. Here we go. Uh, 2 Kings 4, verses 1 through 7. <laughs> I can read it if you can't. You can read it? Wow. Sure, go ahead, Kelly. That's your job. One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. 
What can I do to help you, Elijah asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except the flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Alright, so I told you all these negative bullet points, things to look for in yourself. Here's the bottom line. You gotta have a devotional life at home. You've got to. Maybe your war room is in your church office. I don't know. But you gotta have a devotional life at home. The widow had to go home to do this. You gotta have a devotional life at home. She went home and she shut the door. Do you close yourself off with God? There have been seasons in my life that I didn't because I didn't want to. It wasn't that I couldn't. It's that I didn't want to. He'll reveal stuff to you that you're holding on and that's keeping you from being filled when you close the door and spend that time with God at home. God was about to do something amazing in this widow's life. Amazing. Our public ministry corresponds directly to the time we spend alone with God. There's no secret formula. Prayer has to be part of our daily practice. Jesus pulled away to maintain or increase his anointing. He did it. It makes us think that we're any better. Don't resign yourself to live your Christian life without joy or power or sparkle. Okay? Don't let your faith have no expectation. Don't wait to die. Don't wait to die. <laughs> Examine your attitude. Don't stop believing. <laughs> I wonder, I, there was a moment, I wondered if the widow's faith was rooted into her husband's faith. Because he was the dude that was working with Elisha. It was just a question that came into my head. Was her faith her own? Or was it her husband's, and did she need to find it? Um, Don't let fear hold you hostage or in bondage. Fear will hinder us from living an abundant life. You know, remember when you were first saved? You're like, wow, what's God going to do next? Now we go, when's God going to show up? When God anointed you with his Holy Spirit, he didn't give you a spirit of timidity or fear. The oil that descended upon you is the spirit of love and power and self-discipline. Don't accept a substandard life as normal. When it comes to witnessing and serving, don't be paralyzed by fear. Don't end up losing all that God has given you. If you follow the instructions in the word, the oil of the anointing of the Holy Spirit will not run dry. You got to establish your priorities, right? She had to go home and she had to get those jars. She got her sons to help her out. She delegated. She told them exactly what the task was. They made it happen. Be sure to give to God what is God's to consecrate. You know what that is? You 
in your life, in your ministry. Give that to God. He will empower it to happen. Let him be the most important thing in your life. Be obedient. When the potter places his hands on you to mold you as his jar, he fills you with oil so you can be a blessing to others. Disobedience ruins the jar and causes the oil to spill out. When we disobey, the anointing decreases. Anointing and sin can never exist together. Either the anointing gets rid of the sin or the sin gets rid of the anointing because the darkness has no fellowship with light. Another bullet point, share the authority. For the anointing to not run dry, we need to share it. Don't just ask for oil. Get the jars. The oil ceased to flow when there were no more jars. So, I'll ask you this question, then you can run away as fast as you want, (laughs) unless you're staying for the next session. Who are the empty jars in your life? Not just talking about you. Family, friends, people in college, at school, at work. When you bless them, two things happen. They get filled, and you get filled. The anointing flows more. Her jars were borrowed. They weren't just a few, and they had to be empty. Those were the instructions. If you feel hopeless like a widow, like that widow, don't allow your spiritual life to die, but be open to receive a new anointing. So what's my takeaway? God wants you to be the best you you can be. Don't let substandard seasons overwhelm you. It's a season. Work your way out of it and celebrate on the journey and on the other side. Let me pray with you. Jesus, I thank you for this group that we've got to share together, and I pray, God, that you would fill each and every one of us up to overflowing and help us to find those jars that need to be filled in our lives. Let us not be overwhelmed by the negative things, but help us to take those and praise you through it. And, Lord, we just look for amazing and awesome things you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Rock on, everybody.